0: praise the Lord. Well, today, we will be looking at what many theologians call the most essential paragraph in the most essential book of the Bible. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. In just over 100 words, Paul summarizes the human predicament of sin and God's action to deliver His people from it. Romans 3 asserts that all human beings sin and fall short of the righteousness of God, that all are accountable to God, that all are deserving of His wrath, and that none can escape it apart from His mercy and grace made possible through Jesus' accomplishing our justification and redemption by making a propitiation in His blood to be received by faith. As we have already seen in this series through Romans that starting in chapter 1 verse 18 and all the way to chapter 3 verse 20, Paul revealed God's view of the entire human race apart from Christ. He established for us that all of mankind is under the power and dominion of sin and therefore are radically depraved or corrupted. He ended this section by employing the rabbinical preaching technique called a charaz, the stringing together of a number of short quotations from the Old Testament to drive home his point, concluding with this statement in Romans 3.20, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, that is God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Not deliverance from sin, but knowledge of sin. The law reveals our sin. God clearly tells mankind that there is nothing that we can do to make ourselves right with God. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the perfect righteousness required by God. And we in and of ourselves have no means to correct our situation. This gets back to the question that Job asked thousands of years ago. That question, how can a man be right before God? And as I've said in the past, this is the singular most important question we could ever ask. In our text for today, we will find the answer to that question. That we are saved by God's grace alone through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone. So if you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, please do so. I'd like to read our text. Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. This is God's word to us. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word to us. Please be seated. In this text, we will see that the perfect righteousness that we need to enter into the presence of a holy God is received apart from the law, is received by faith. It is a gift of God's grace. It is made available to us because of what Jesus accomplished. And it is demonstrated or put on display by God in the death of his son. So first, we see that righteousness is received apart from the law. Look at verse 21 with me again. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness that is required by God to enter into heaven, into his presence, is his own perfect Righteousness. It is a righteousness that is only found in God. Note, Paul says it is the righteousness of God. Paul referred to that righteousness back in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Let me remind you of that, where Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It is the righteousness of God himself that we need that we are missing because we are sinners. It is his righteousness. This righteousness is not found in any human being apart from Jesus, the Son of God, who was and is perfectly righteous, just like his Father. Paul begins verse 21 with the words, But now. After he has spent over 60 verses describing the sinful depravity of all of mankind, he now announces that something new has happened. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Manifest means displayed. How has the righteousness of God been displayed? In Jesus Christ, in whom dwelt all of the fullness of deity in bodily form. In his perfect obedience to the Father, including his death, burial, and resurrection, the righteousness that we need was manifested, was displayed. This manifestation occurs apart from the law, that is, without any human contribution. And the verb here has been manifested is in the perfect tense that indicates completed action in the past that has continuing or ongoing results because the work of Christ presented in the gospel continues to manifest God's righteousness to this very day. Paul goes on to write That the law and the prophets do bear witness to this. It was foretold that a Messiah, a Savior, a Redeemer would be sent by God. And he would defeat Satan, break the bonds of sin and death, and set the captives free. Amen? This is exactly what Jesus was sent to do. And this is exactly what Jesus accomplished for us. Jesus is the radical righteousness of God manifest to us to provide the righteousness needed to overcome our radical depravity. Jesus' radical righteousness overcomes our radical depravity. But how do we receive this credit of righteousness, Well, Paul makes it very clear. Righteousness is received by faith. And to avoid any possible misunderstanding, Paul mentions again that he is speaking of the absolute and perfect righteousness of God. He states this so clearly that it is received through faith in Jesus Christ. So the perfect, saving, Righteousness of God is received only by faith. Or we could say, by faith alone. And this is a repeated theme in Paul's writings. Let me remind you of just a couple of those passages. Philippians 3, 8 and 9 says, To be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Again, it's the righteousness of God that we need. And we receive that through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, of course, we're all familiar with this passage. For by grace you've been saved, how? Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. It's not a result of any work we have done. It's the result of the work that Christ did on our behalf. Paul states clearly that we are saved through or by faith. And even that faith is a gift from God. Amen? It's a gift from God. A person is saved and credited with God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ alone, apart from anything else. But Scripture makes it very clear that saving faith is much more than simple verbal declaration of believing in Christ. As we've seen in our study of Luke, even the demons knew who Jesus was, and they believed he was the Son of God. But they are not saved. If righteousness is received by faith, then we need to understand what that faith is. Anthony Hokema, in his book, Saved by Grace, describes saving faith in this way. Quote, Saving faith may be defined as a response to God's call by the acceptance of Christ with the total person. That is, with assured conviction of the truth of the gospel and with trustful reliance upon God in Christ for salvation, together with a genuine commitment to follow Christ and to his service. Now that's a lot more than just believing in a historical figure named Jesus. Just believing in a historical figure named Jesus is not enough to save us. We need saving faith. He goes on to explain that saving faith has three components. Knowledge, assent, and trust, which includes obedience. So let's look at these three components of faith briefly. First, knowledge. Now, it should be obvious that we cannot have faith in someone of whom we know nothing about. And the scripture confirms this. It says that faith comes by hearing, hearing the words of Christ, hearing the gospel, knowing who we are, knowing who Jesus is and what he has done to save us is essential saving faith. We need the knowledge that God provides through His Word, through the Gospel. But there's more. We also need assent. By assent, I mean that activity by which we firmly accept the teachings of God's Word as true. Such assent must involve the whole person our mind, our will, our emotions. With our whole selves, we must accept as true what the Bible teaches about sin, about Christ, about salvation, and God's purposes for our life. But even knowledge and assent are not enough. To them need to be added trust. Trust is the crowning aspect of faith. Faith is looking away from self and leaning wholly upon Christ for salvation. It is the personal appropriation of Christ and his merits, his righteousness. It means resting upon Christ's finished work on our behalf. It should also be added that faith is seen in obedience. Obedience to Christ and his word. The only way for us to receive the righteousness of God is through God's gift of true saving faith. And make no mistake, that is an act of His grace. Amen? Righteousness is given by grace. Look again with me at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. We are all sinners, as we've already established. And not one can be perfectly righteous. Therefore, we are justified or declared to be righteous by his grace as a gift. Just as there's no distinction among those who need salvation, there is no distinction among those who receive it. Because everyone is justified as a gift by His grace. It is not due to anything in us. Justified means to declare the righteousness of something or someone. When a sinner exercises saving faith and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, he is declared by God to be righteous because the righteousness of Christ is credited to them. God declares every true believer in Christ to have perfect righteousness The righteousness of Christ. God's own righteousness. It's incredible. It's incredible that God does this. Every one of us are sinful. Sinners. We know this. None of us are righteous. But by God's grace through faith, he declares us to be righteous. By definition a gift of something freely given, it is unearned and unmerited by the recipient. And the greatest of all gifts is that of salvation through the Son of God given entirely out of His divine grace. The law reveals God's righteousness and exposes our unrighteousness. Grace not only reveals God's righteousness, but actually gives His righteousness to those who trust in His Son for salvation. That gift of God's grace cost God the suffering and death of His own Son so that for the believer, there is nothing left to pay. It was paid for in full by Christ, And Paul describes this for us in the very next part of this passage. That righteousness is accomplished by Christ. Look at verse 24 and 25 with me. Are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The righteousness that we receive by faith as a gift of God's grace was paid for by the sacrifice of God's own Son. Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, who is Himself God, became a man By putting on flesh. And he did what no man has ever been able to do. He lived a perfectly righteous, sinless life of obedience to God. Then he laid down that life. Making a propitiation by his blood. And securing the redemption of all of those chosen by the Father for salvation. Redeeming them from the power of sin and death. Let's look at what this redemption means. The Greek word here is translated either redemption or ransom. These English terms are interchangeable. But both indicate a price paid to obtain the release of a captive. In antiquity, a king might pay a ransom to liberate a general who was captured in a battle. Or a person might pay a ransom to have a slave set free from their captivity. These concepts stand behind the meaning of what Jesus did for all who trust in him for salvation. Except he offered himself, not money, but his own life to deliver his people from their bondage to sin sin and to death. Remember Jesus had promised to give his life as a ransom for many. And he did this on the cross. Suffering and dying in our place. We read this in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 where Peter writes this conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Silver and gold are pretty valuable, especially in these days. But they don't compare to the precious blood of the son of God Jesus paid a price for us not one of monetary value but instead dying in our place upon the cross and paying the penalty for our sins so that we could be set free from that penalty that we deserved as we sing, he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Through redemption, we now belong to a new master. Paul notes this in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, where Paul writes, you are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you've trusted in Christ to be your Savior, and I pray that you have, and you've believed on Him, then you no longer are your own. If He has ransomed you, He has purchased you, and you are now His. Our Lord liberates us from sin, its power, and its bondage, so that we are no longer slaves to sin. We now belong to God. He is our new master, and we are now to live to the praise of his glory, serving him who paid such an awful price for us. And Jesus accomplished this by making propitiation for us. Note here that Paul states clearly That it was God who sent his son to pay the ransom price for all chosen for salvation. And he would accomplish this by receiving the wrath of God that was due for our sins. Thus appeasing God by paying the full penalty due to all who are chosen for salvation. There was no discount given to Jesus because he was the son of God. He bore the full wrath of God to pay the penalty for our sins. This is what propitiation means. It means to appease wrath or to placate one who is angry. And make no mistake, Scripture teaches us that our sin evokes God's wrath. Every sin we commit is a sin against God. Every sin we commit is cosmic treason against a holy and righteous God who must therefore pour out His holy wrath that is due for every sin. So God sent His Son to become a sacrifice the spotless lamb of god and god would therefore pour out his holy wrath upon his son to satisfy the penalty that was due for our sins paul describes this transaction in romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 11 Let me read that to you another glorious passage for while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Listen to verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's what he saved us from, the eternal wrath of a holy and righteous God that was due to us. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Praise be to God. Amen? Hallelujah. What a Savior. In his letter to the Corinthians... Paul wrote that God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. God took our sin, transferred it onto his son, poured out his wrath to pay the penalty for that sin and transferred the righteousness of his son to our account now make no mistake and most of you know this visitors may not know this but most of you do I am not righteous I didn't hear an amen from my wife so that's good and if we're going to be honest we know this We're still sinners. But God has credited me, credited me with the perfect righteousness of his son. As far as God is concerned, I am his righteous son. Hallelujah, what a savior. And this great sacrifice was made by God so that we might receive it by faith and become the blood-bought children of God, servants of the Most High God and examples of His grace and His divine forbearance. And Paul ends by talking about the righteousness of God that is demonstrated by him. Look at verses 25 and 26. Paul writes, This was to show or display God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God's act of mercy and offering an atonement for sin does not compromise His justice. Rather, it demonstrates that the Lord is just and righteous even when He is merciful and gracious. You know it would be unjust for God to simply cancel the penalty that is due for our sins. The way that so many of the courts are doing in these days oh you broke the law no problem no penalty is that just no is that righteous no a righteous and holy God must punish every sin every transgression to the fullest and that's exactly what he has done God was patient and long-suffering with sinners, showing His divine forbearance. But at the right time, God Himself sent His Son to take our place upon that cross. And God poured out the full measure of His divine wrath that was due for our sins upon His Son. And Paul tells us here, That this is a demonstration of God's righteousness. It is a validation of his righteous character. Showing to all mankind that God is both just. And he is the justifier of all who put their faith in his son for their salvation. Hallelujah, what a savior. Listen to what Paul writes to the Colossians. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14. And think about this as applying to you. And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with Him, with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling out the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. This he set aside. How? Nailing it to the cross. God has forgiven us our debts because his son paid the penalty for those debts on the cross. God himself took our place, took upon himself our sin, and paid the full penalty for our sin, that we might be justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And it is received by faith. Praise be to God. So how then are we to respond to these great truths? Well, first... All who hear this gospel should believe in Jesus and should trust in Him for salvation and surrender their lives to Him. Acknowledge that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the completed work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. This only applies to you if you put your faith and trust in in Christ and surrender your life to Him. Secondly, we should praise and worship God for all He has done to save us. Amen? We should continually give thanks and praise to Him for so great a salvation and encourage one another to do the same. We should live lives submitted to His will as His beloved children, obeying our Heavenly Father And seeking to glorify him. And third, we are to be his witnesses. Telling others these glorious truths. Proclaiming the gospel message to all. And praying that God would give them the gift of saving faith. Bringing them to faith in Christ. And in this way, we pass on the amazing grace that we have been shown. And we encourage others to do the same. And remember, all of this is to be done to the praise of His glory. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this glorious passage, this glorious paragraph in this glorious letter in your glorious word. Father, you indeed are glorious. And so is the salvation that you have provided through your Son. Father, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place that you would give each one understanding of what you have done in order that we might be saved. Saved from the penalties of our sin. Saved from eternal conscious punishment saved from everlasting death that we might instead have everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, those of us that have been given this gift of salvation by grace help us to live lives now that please and glorify you And yes, Father God, to be your witnesses of this glorious grace that is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. May we flourish to the praise of your glorious grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.